Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Lift your hand up. Let me see real quick. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Pat. Get that. Give that out real quick. Yes. Yes, you can just be whole. Uh, with no stipulations. Uh, with no strings. Uh, with no bag no baggage, no yesterday, no what ifs, no yeah buts. You can be just whole. You can be just healed. You can be just delivered. You can be just set free. Therefore, go ahead and declare it. Therefore, go ahead and rejoice in it. Take away all of the stipulations. Take away all of the clutter. Take away all of the strings. Take away all of the confusion. And just be whole this morning. And you will see that it belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The enemy has attacked your mind and tried to put a sense of hopelessness on you. You said, it wasn't you saying, it was the enemy trying to get you to say it. You hadn't said it yet. But in your own mind has been these words. What's the use? What's the use? What's the use of even living any longer? I hurt so deep. I hurt so bad. What's the use? And the enemy is tormenting your mind. Now, I know we just prayed for those to unpack the baggage of your past, but this has happened in the past week. This is a, 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 literally an event that's happening to you as we speak, this, this, this in your mind. And the enemy's trying to tempt you to, to destroy your life, to, to, to harm yourself. But God has deliverance for you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. All my ushers, everybody. All my security, everybody. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around but me. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up boldly real quick. Put it up high. My goodness. All right, everybody put your hand down. Put your hand down. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit of destruction and hopelessness which has tried to come against the mind of God's children. Every man, every woman, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I cancel your assignment. You foul spirit of hopelessness, go from them now in Jesus' name. I cancel your assignment of destruction against them. I cancel your assignment of depression and hopelessness. I cancel that attack which has been upon them this week, trying to steal them out of the glory and the joy of their salvation. And in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of God. To touch them where, they're, where they stand right now with their hands raised. With the anointing coming upon them now in Jesus' name. Setting them free. Setting them free. Setting them free. Setting them free. Now everybody lift your hands and begin to praise God. Come on, begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now let me say this and we'll change the order of the service. Listen, never depend upon a person to heal you in these areas of life. Always go to God. Always go to God. God does it supernaturally. We thank God for doctors, psychiatrists, psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever, whatever. But listen, God comes supernaturally into our minds where that battleground and that warfare takes place and those thoughts come and, and the past and the hurt and all that have God comes in there supernaturally. And the Bible says he'll garrison your mind. That word garrison, that's an old military term that goes back to the Roman days in which they used to go in and take a city and they'd set up a garrison. That means we're guarding what we've conquered. <laughs> we're guarding what we've conquered. Well, Jesus conquered it 2,000 years ago when he died on Golgotha, the skull, the place of the skull. But now he's sending the word and the anointing in the name of Jesus and the blood and the Holy Ghost. And he's garrisoning your mind. Setting up a standard. One more time, lift your hands and worship God. Lord, we worship you. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Well, how many love the word of God? Matthew chapter 11 this morning. I'm going to attempt... To finish up our little mini-series we're doing on power, dominion, and authority. Restored power, dominion, and authority. And this morning we're going to look at some of the practical application of that. In Matthew 11, Jesus is speaking here about John the Baptist... Beginning in verse 7, let's, I'll read, you follow. It says, as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John. Now this is John the Baptist, not John who wrote uh, the gospel of John nor the letters of John. This is John the Baptist. It says, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind. You know, Jesus had some kind of wit, didn't he? I mean, he was just kind of poking at him there. So would you go out to see, see, a, see somebody shaking cane out in, the, out in the wilderness? Is that what you went out to see? He said, no. He said, but what would you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? No. Beside they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy faith which shall prepare the way before thee, speaking of Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus, that which was prophesied in Isaiah. It says, Verily I say unto you, now notice this, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now this is a very profound statement. He's speaking back through the generations and dispensations of time, back to men like Abraham, back to men like Noah, Back to men like uh, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon, great prophets like Samuel. Samuel's my, my favorite. Now, I love King David on a, on a king, king's level, but on a ministerial level, I love Samuel the prophet. He's my favorite. I just think he's cool. I mean, you know, the Bible says that God gave, put words in his mouth, said, no words that you speak shall fall to the ground. He'd come to a city, and the city elders would run out and say, is everything okay? <laughs> you got everything you need? I mean, he was cool. But now he's saying, this guy John the Baptist, of all of them that lived, there's more relevance to him. Now notice what it says. I like how he says it. He says, they're not risen a greater. None none greater has risen up 
than John the Baptist. He's speaking of John the Baptist, John the Baptist. But now notice the next portion of scripture. It says, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now he's not speaking of those there present with him because those there present with him were still under the old covenant. Jesus had not died upon the cross. Jesus had not risen from the dead. Jesus has not shed, shed his blood upon the mercy seat. He had not regained for humanity at this point. He had not regained for humanity the restored dominion, power, and authority that humanity needs to live an overcoming life. But he's talking about those that would literally be one day citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Not when we die, but when we get born again. Did you know in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're a born again Christian, God calls you, Jesus calls you an ambassador. Now, an ambassador is a representative of a nation that lives in a foreign land. You're actually not a resident of this planet. You are an alien. Well, who was it? My favorite Martian. Remember, he got the little... <laughs> no, no, you are a member. You are a, you are a part of the kingdom of heaven. All that, remember when, when, when the apostle Paul prayed over in, in the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, the whole family of God that is named in heaven and in earth. So we're all the same family, just we're ambassadors. We're in a foreign land. We're those that seek for that city. Some of our loved ones are there. Our friends are there. Our acquaintances are there that have crossed the barrier of life and living into that dimension of eternal life that affects us when we step outside the dimension of our bodies. Amen. You say, what do you mean by saying that? Well, there's also a dimension of eternal life that affects us now while we're in our bodies. So he's saying of all those that ever lived, John the Baptist, excuse me, uh, 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 Moses and Aaron and Joshua and David and Solomon and Samuel the prophet and Isaiah and Jeremiah, all of them that lived, notwithstanding, he that is least, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now listen, I'm not, and you shouldn't, go around saying, I'm greater than Moses. I'm greater than David. I'm greater than Samuel the prophet. I'm greater than Elijah or Elisha. But did you know that you are? Not because we say it, but Jesus said that about you. Now here's the difference between you and them. This is what makes you greater. Nothing you've done, nothing you've accomplished, nothing that you will ever do or accomplish. This is what makes you greater. They died looking toward the cross that one day the cross would happen. They died in faith having not yet received the promise. What was the promise? That that Shekinah glory, that spirit of God, that which was the cloud by day, the fire by night, that which split the, uh, split the ocean, that split the Jordan River, that which anointed King David... That anointing, that power, that Shekinah of God that was in the temple and in the tabernacle, that would come and dwell in its rightful place. That's in you. That's what makes you greater. That's what makes you greater. Then it says this. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. But the violent take it. Everybody say, take it. Say, take it. Say, take it. They take it by force. Now, I'm believing God that in Island Church, because we spent years preaching apathy and complacency out of this church. We're not an apathetic nor complacent church. We're busy on the island, we're busy around the island, and we're busy in the nations of the world. 
Amen. We love the Lord. We love coming to church. We love serving God together. We love going to our Christmas banquets. We love going up to the women of the word. We love going to our, to our game feast. We love doing all this stuff together. We love being the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, interacting together and seeing what God can do. Having a high expectation. Now the reason is, is because there are some things we are taking by force. So if you have to take something by force, that means there's going to be some resistance to you taking it. Amen. So now notice this. Let me read it in Amplified and we'll go to another couple of scriptures. Amplified says, And from the days of John the Baptist until present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it. Seize what? Seize the kingdom by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's people saying this. Whether they were born under the old covenant or whether they're born under the new covenant, that's people saying this. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. Hell ain't going to stop me. The devil ain't going to stop me. Religion ain't going to stop me. Apathy's not going to stop me. Complacency's not going to I am going to get mine. If God cared enough for me to die for me and to give it to me, I'm going to get it in Jesus' name. There may be some wrestling matches. There may be some warfare. There may be some fighting. There may be some discomfort. But I am getting mine in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I'm going to get mine. Say, I'm going to get mine. Now, with that in mind, go all the way over. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read it and flip over to, flip over to James and then back, back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, remember what we're studying. Restored dominion, power, and authority. Restored dominion, power, and authority. Now, it says this, verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Everybody say, not me. Say, not me. Say, not me. It says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now, go, go over to James, and then we'll come right back here. Go over to James chapter 4. Now notice what it says here. Verse 5. It says, Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Isn't that a strange scripture? Let me read it in the Amplified. Listen to verse 5. It says, Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, The Spirit, capital S, the Spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us, yearns over us. He yearns for the Spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. Amen. Now, let's, start, let, let's make this our starting point this morning. For walking in this dominion, this power, this authority that God has given us in Christ. You've got to see God's attitude towards you when it comes to your relationship to him. Your personal relationship. Number one, God is a jealous God. He doesn't want you to have any other gods before him. No hobby, no person, 
Nothing. Not your wife, not your husband, not your children, not your puppy, not anything. Nothing should be between you and God. Not money, not success, nothing. Because he is a jealous God. Now, the Bible says that the Spirit of God in us yearns. Now, you see yourself, th- think of a busy day. You've been at work. You've, you, you, you've had dinner. You've, you've helped your wife. You're, the wife has cooked the dinner, whatever. And the day is waning. And you think, well, you know, here it is. It's like, I need to go have my devotion time. I need to pray. I need to study. So you go in. You open your Bible. You read a few scriptures. You kneel down. You begin to pray. 30, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however you do. And you're just kind of, you know, your mind, you're kind of distracted. Your mind is wandering. But, you're, you know, you're, you're reading the Word. You're praying. So you've come with this attitude. But the Spirit has come like this. Oh, there they are. They're kneeling down. The love of my life. The desire of my heart. There they are. They're kneeling in the time of prayer. Oh, they're, they're distracted. That's, well, and they're, 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 well, yeah, well, and they're, well, I want to, but, but there they are. I love them. I'm jealous over them. There they are, kneeling and praying. I long to fellowship. I long to be with you. I long to put my arm. I long to answer your prayer. I long to reveal myself. I love you. That's the, that's the Holy Ghost. That's what the Spirit of God is saying. And so when we recognize that and realize how adamant, how passionate, how how God is just walking around going, where are they? Where are my beloved? Where are the ones that love me? Why aren't they praying? Why aren't they worshiping? Why aren't they? Don't they know how much I love them? Amen. Amen. Now keep that in your your mind just a minute because God's putting something together here. It says, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy But he giveth us more grace. Wherefore saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So in order to come into those times of passionate fellowship with God, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to give God your time, your attention, your effort. Because the Bible says he does what? He resists the proud. You don't want God resisting you. I said, you don't want God resisting you. And if there's anything God hates, it's pride. And pride is this. I don't need you today. I take care of myself. I don't need your fellowship. I don't need your word. I don't need to gather with your people. I don't need to praise. I don't need to worship. I'm doing okay myself, Lord. Could you not just kind of leave me alone for a while? That's pride. And what does the Bible say about that? He resisteth it. That means he pushes in the opposite direction. Do you want to be pushed in the opposite direction from God? God is saying, don't do that because I give what? More grace. Not just grace, but more grace. An abundance of grace. A dimension of grace that you can't even understand. Grace heaped upon you. Grace like you don't even understand. I mean, answered prayers, blessings, deliverances. Not only that, I'll create a passion on the inside of you so that you will have that same heart toward me that I have towards you. I mean, if if I miss a day and a half or two days of my prayer and study time, I'm not good to be around. I'm irritable. I'm like, I'm like, now I used to be like that with other things. 
you know, if we had a, uh, years ago, uh, uh, if the summers, our summers many times, we enjoy around here uh, the sport of surfing. And most of the time it happens in the late summer and through the winter and into the springs. And summer times, many times we'd go weeks without any surf. And even being in the ministry and things like that, I'd think, man, I sure would like to go surfing. I hadn't been surfing in such a long time. And it'd make this kind of an irritability to you until the surf would come up. And then, oh, okay, we've got to enjoy this hobby again. Amen. How many got something like that in your life that you enjoy doing? You enjoy fellowship and being around? Well, here's the thing. God wants you continually passionate about him so you will not have those times of irritability in your life where you've spent time away from God not realizing pride is encroaching on your faith. Grace is lifting off of you and you can't understand why you're so agitated. And the reason you're so agitated is you've not been drinking at the river of life. You've not, been in, you've not been indulging in the new wine, so to speak. You've not been enjoying your covenant rights, which are what? Fellowship with God. Just think, today, you can fellowship with God as an individual. You can come to God as an individual. Worship, praise Him, talk to Him. In heaven, we're going to be standing there as a mass of people, and you're going to long for the days. When you were back on the earth, where in the name of Jesus you'd be in his presence. Amen. Now that's just my own thoughts. I don't preach that as doctrine. But here's the thing. There is something unique about the relationship of heavenly, holy, righteous God and his child on the earth. He knows you are in a in a place that is fallen where there are pitfalls and adversaries and demons and diseases and all kinds of stuff that can get my child. And if he'll just hang out with me, they won't get my child. My child will be safe. Now notice, he resisteth the proud. So everybody say, that's not me. But gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now here we go. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Submit yourself. Amen. Don't let a circumstance do it. You don't go to the doctor and get a bad report and say, well, I'm going to submit to God now. No, you're letting a disease submit you. Don't let a problem, don't let a situation do it. You make a decision, I'm going to submit myself to God. Now notice this. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist. Everybody say resist. That word resist means actively oppose. Now, this is where we've come up short. A lot of people in the kingdom of God, a lot of people in churches today have no op active opposition in it. I mean, they have a crisis in their life. They think God put it on them. But the word teaches over and over and over, Jesus Christ has restored the dominion, the power, and the authority of Adam's lost race that he lost in the garden. Not only that, he's put his spirit on the inside of you, given you the Holy Ghost, put his name upon you, and given you the power of his word. You got more than Adam had. I said, you got more than Adam. He didn't just restore us to who Adam was in the garden. He restored us to be his child and his children. Which means he's reproducing himself in us. So he says, I want you to take that down there in that fallen world, and I want you to resist. The devil, what does the devil do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll steal your mind. He'll destroy your finances. He'll kill relationships. He'll do all kinds of stuff if you let him. So he says this, submit yourself, submit yourself. Now to submit, that word has been abused. That word has been misused. Listen, submit yourself therefore to what? To God. 
I mean, I've seen preachers get up, submit to me, submit to my anointing, submit to this ministry. Listen, I'm the, that ain't going to do you no good. You submit to God, to his word, to his anointing, to his ability, to his power. You humble yourself through submission. And the amount of resistance you're able to muster against the adversaries of your life are going to be proportionate to the amount of submission that is in your life. Now, in my house, my physical home, I have what I call layers of protection. We have doors. I put doors on my house. All three of my doors, we have three or four doors. One, two, three. Three doors. They go to the outside. So all of them have two locks. They have a deadbolt lock and a lock in the the doorknob. And, and, And so that's a layer. That's the first layer of protection. All my windows have locks on them. Amen. This is protecting against things from the outside getting in. Now, we also have an alarm system that we don't use near as much as we should. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's enough. So you come through that one level of protection, then you get to that level of protection. Now, when you break through that level of protection, you get to the resistance level. Amen. And I'm kind of like, the, you can, stuff can be replaced. You can t- take my stuff. Don't mess with my family. Don't mess with my family. Because when you step to that third level of resistance, you're going to find some violence. You say, what do you mean violence? Well, I got a shotgun. And as Elmer Fudd says, I have bullets too. Amen. And if you come to the point where you come through those two layers and you get to the place of violent resistance, you don't want to be there. Because I will do what is necessary to make sure you're no longer a threat. Right. Now, now you've got to understand, God wants you that way in the Spirit. Many people, they have, no, they have no layer here, no layer there, and no resistance there. And they wonder, why is my life so tore up? Why am I so miserable? How come I have so many physical, financial, mental? Why are all these problems in my life? It's because God is wanting you to begin to build these layers of protection. And if anything gets through that, then they get to the resistance. There you stand in Christ. With the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the power of the Word of God. And you're like, no, devil, you're not stealing my health. You're not stealing my finances. You're not messing with my family. You're not stealing my joy. I resist you in Jesus' name. You mess with me, you're in a fight. And you're in a losing fight because my Savior has already defeated you in Jesus' name. Now, go back to 1 Peter real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5. Here it is again. Verse 6, I mean. Humble yourselves. So who's going to do it? Grandma can't do it for you. Grandpa can't do it for you. Wife can't do it for the husband. Husband can't do it for the wife. Humble yourself. Humble means to take and place yourself under the authority and information of another. So that means you do not value your opinion Near as much as you value the word of God. I mean, if the word says this, but you have this opinion, you let go of that. Say, I'm not hanging on to that. 
You may have an opinion of healing. You may have an opinion of salvation. You may have, well, say, Pastor, I, you know, you talk about getting born again, making Jesus. You know, I really don't. I, I, I'm going I'm to believe that when I get to heaven, there's going to be that big scale. They're going to put me on one side and all my good works, put all my bad works on the other side. And I believe I've been a good enough person. Well, if that's true, if that's true, then Jesus would have never had to come. If that's true, you have exalted yourself above the word of God and what the word of God says. And you're proud. And God will resist you. You come up to the doors of heaven and he said, there's not but one way. And that's through the blood. And that's through Jesus. Now notice this. Humble yourself. Therefore, we're not under religion, not under denominations, not under people. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you. That he may lift you up in due time. That means it's a process. You've got to be willing. See, we're not process oriented. We've got too many Burger Kings. We've got, aren't they building a new one here? Too many Jack in the Boxes. Too many Whataburgers. Too many dollar stores. Too many. You say, what do you mean? How many have a sheep and you get the wool every year and you take and you mill the wool and then you spin it in a yarn and make your own clothes? Not one of us. Not one of us. How many have a cow we milk? Not one of us. We go to the store. It's all done for us. We have voided ourselves of the processes of life that our forefathers practiced commonly. Things have become convenient. You're hungry? After church today, we go to Guido's. We go to Landry's. We go to Fisherman's Wharf. We go to Saltgrass. Let them do the cooking. Isn't that nice? But when it comes to spiritual things, there's no Landry's. There's no Guido's. There's no Jack in the Box. There's no Walmart. You humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. In due time. In the process of you serving God, God will lift you up out of the miry clay, lift you up out of that situation, lift you up out of that poverty, lift you up out of that sickness, that disease, that may lift you up out of that. Now, notice this. Here's a, here's a key point casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Thank God for what the Holy Ghost did back earlier in the service. What was he doing? Giving you an opportunity to let go of what? Cares. Listen to it in the Amplified. Verse 7. Casting the whole of your care. All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Let me, can I read that again? Somebody really, don't just listen. Hear. Hear what God said. Casting. The whole of your care. Well, I, you just can't say I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you, you, you become a pastor and you pioneer a church and you, you, you see how many levels the enemy can try to attack your mind. People aren't going to come to your church. If they come, they ain't going to give. If they give, they're not going to like. They're going to be this. They're going to be that. And I, you know what I tell them? I don't care. I'm not carrying that. It's not my church anyway. It belongs to Jesus. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. He's the one that said upon who he is in me, he's going to build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'll take care of the sheep that he sends. We'll bless him and God will bless him. And I'm not worried about all of that. And I imagine that the devil looks at me and says, I wish I could get him to care. Because I keep telling him, I don't care. I just don't care, devil. I just don't care, devil. I just don't care. Ever thought he brings me, and I'm going to make you sick, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to hurt your child, and I'm going to hurt your wife, and I'm going to do this to your family. I'm gonna do this. And you know what I tell him? I don't care. I just don't care. Amen. 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 You got to get to the point where you don't care. 
That doesn't mean you don't have concern. That doesn't mean you're not compassionate. That means when it comes to what the enemy is trying to place upon you, you're not picking that thing up. I ain't carrying that devil. Because he'll try to get you to carry it. No. Let's read it again. Casting what? The whole. All of it. All of it. What about the economy? All of it. The price of oil. All of it. Bread might go to $20 a loaf. All of it. Cast all of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all. That means you do it and it's done. You do it and it's done. You do it and it's done. Let me, let me just let you a little, a little bit into my life. Here we are. We're finishing up two years of a building program. We ain't got no land. We ain't got no building. Amen. Amen. And so the devil, he's constantly saying, yeah, you just keep talking like that. You done stuck yourself out on a limb now. Don't you know you live in Galveston? There ain't much land available. What is ain't worth a flip. And you know how the city is, and you know how the county is, and you know how builders are, and you know how much it costs to build, and you know how this, and you know that, and you know this, and you know that, and you know this and that, and this and that, and this. You know what I say? I don't care. God said two years ago in 2011, it's time to rise and build. I didn't say it. God said it. So I'm not going to walk around with all that weight on my shoulder of what people may think because we've gone two years and had not bought a piece of land yet. It does not matter to me. I don't care. And I tell the devil, hide and watch. Because when I'm running that first lap around that new building, just like we did around this one and the one before here, you will see that all along, I didn't care. I didn't carry it. I didn't carry that anxiety. I didn't carry that woe. I cast it on the Lord. I found a place to put it. Let me read it again. Casting the whole. Somebody's got to be hearing this. This has to be ministering to somebody. Casting the whole of all your care, all your anxiety, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Why? Why? For, everybody say for. He cares about you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. He's watching you. He's saying, I, I care. You don't have to care because I care. You don't have to carry it because I'm going to carry it. You don't have to worry because I've got provision. You don't have to sweat it. I've taken care of it. Now notice this. Verse 8. Be sober. Now see, people right there, they, they, they hear that thing. Well, that's, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. <laughs> He's not talking about alcohol and drugs. He's talking about the situations of your life that you're involved in that cause you to lose your sobriety because you are carrying a care. You're focused on a problem. You're focused on a situation. You're focused on something that happened to you in your past, and it's causing you to lose your sobriety. What does loss of sobriety produce? Stumbling, falling. Stumbling, falling. Some people spend their entire spiritual life stumbling and falling because they're not sober. Sober up. Sober up. Cast your cares. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, 
Because your adversary, the devil. Do you see that in your Bible? Everybody say the devil. Say it again. So it's not people. It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your boss. It's not your next door neighbor. Your adversary is the devil. Your adversary, the devil, as, does not say is. There's not an is there in any translation. It says, as a roaring lion walking, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, actively opposed, steadfast in the faith. Now, notice this. I like this illustration. We all load up, charter a big airliner, fly over to Botswana. Spend some time with Jerry and Janilaki. They live on the southern edge of the Kalahari Desert, that beautiful grasslands, those beautiful uh, uh, Africans that live there. In that area, there are lions, there are elephants, there are zebras, there are giraffes, there's all, 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 all the African animals there. So we're going to go lion hunting. Everybody say lion hunting. Now there is an element of danger to lion hunting that does not exist in duck hunting. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, we've got our pit helmets and our khaki shorts. Amen. And our khaki shirts. We've got our belt and we've got our gun. We're going through the grass. And there are lions in the grass. And you hear them roaring. Roar! Roar! And the more they roar, the more anxious you get. Roar! 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 And all of a sudden, right up in front, the, gra the grass begins to stir, and out of the grass jumps Frank. <laughs> and he's got on a lion suit. And it's really not a good lion suit, it's an old lion suit that Joanna found for him at Goodwill. And the the whiskers are eating off one side and one leg is gone and one arm is gone and, and all the mane is all matted and everything. And so there stands Frank. So for a moment, you hear the roar and you see the, you see the grass move. But when Frank jumps out, what happens? What happened when I said that? Everybody what? Laughed. And what could have been a great crisis and a great danger, you laugh at. Now see, that's what the devil does. It doesn't say he is a lion. It says as a lion. There's not but one New Testament lion, and that is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is our lion of conquest. He is our lion of victory. He is our lion of authority, dominion, and power. And when the devil jumps out, he is a fake. He is a phony. There's nothing real about him. He's defeated. But if you've not humbled yourself, if you've not submitted yourself, if you're not actively opposing, if you're not sober and vigilant, and if you're carrying around a bunch of cares, what are you going to do? When he jumps out, you're going to take off running. And you're going to run. And you're going to run into apathy. You're going to run into complacency. And in the great crisis of your life, you know what you'll do? You won't get near a church. Think about it. How many people today that you know, they're going through a great crisis. They're going through a great crisis. And oh, they'd be encouraged if they could just come to church. Oh, they'd be, if they could just hear the beautiful music that was sung this morning. If they could have been ministered to by the Holy Ghost in the altar services that we had. If they could hear the word of God that was being teached. But no, the devil has tricked them. 
Because all there is to him and the only power that he has is the power that you give him. But Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, restored the dominion, the power, and authority back to us. We are not conquerors. We are more than conquerors in him that loved us. And when you begin to make a decision, I ain't taking this no more. I am not taking this anymore. I'm not carrying this junk around in my mind. I'm going to sober up. I'm going to get vigilant to uh, the things of God. I'm going to begin to pursue God with all of my heart. I'm going to be as passionate toward him as he is toward me. I'm going to serve him with all that I am, with all that I have. I'm going to be what God says I'm going to be. I'm going to have what he says I have. I am not going to allow the devil to destroy me another minute. I resist him in the name of Jesus. He's not going to have my health. He's not going to have my family, my finances, my job, my business. He shall not have it. And when you make that decision, then you've stepped into the place where God wants you to be. And he said, all that power, all that. Religion won't tell you this. Denominations say, those things, the Lord allows you to go through them so he might perfect some type of grace and piety. That's all garbage. I don't care if they study for 25 years to get a doctorate degree and it is still not relevant. God loves you. God cares about you. God is a good God and has made ample provision for us to walk a victorious life in Christ. Paul did it. Peter did it. Many that have gone before us have done it. And we can do it in the last of the last days. As we do what? Submit ourselves to the Lord. Resist actively. Some of you, this is the key for your life. Today. Tomorrow, next week, thank God for when you come. Thank God for when we lay hands on you. But you need to go to your house and say, that's it, devil. You're out of here. You're out of my mind. You're out of my finances. You're not stealing my joy. You're not stealing my peace. I'm tired of you in my life. You're out of here. I am going to violently take what is mine. I'm going to take it. And nothing is going to take it out of my hands. I will live out my life on this earth. And if the rapture takes place, I'll go up in the rapture. If not, I'll go to my grave with the provision that God has provided me. For he is worthy of me acting on what he has done for me. Because of his great love, his great mercy, and all that he's done, I can have everything that he is and everything that he's done in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lift your hands up and thank the Lord this morning. Come on, Brother Frank. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.